Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that is definitely a lion and not a mouse. He's not afraid of anything, not even a rhinoceros. Imposterous. He is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for telling a friend. Tonight, we are drinking Warped Speed Scotch Ale by the beautiful people over at Lake Louie Brewing Company in Arena, Wisconsin. Garage grade, three and three quarter bottle caps out of five. Louie Louie. Warped Speed Scotch Ale is a beautiful reddish brown color, full bodied with a smooth, light hopped finish. And I feel like all of our listeners are lightly hopped, so this should go over well. Well, and some people would say the captain is a little above average when it comes to the hops. And Warp Speed was brought to us by these speed demons. First up, all the way in New Zealand, we have Layla. And Jennifer from Columbus reminding everybody to treat yourself. And we got a We Love Your Jib from Corey in beautiful Vancouver Island up in Canada. We love your jib. I have to admit, I did, I did like the Michigan jerseys this week. So the next one comes from Grand Rapid, Michigan. We have Rachel. We like your chip. And last but not least, we have April and Riley from the Woodlands in Texas. So thanks to everybody for filling up the fridge for this week's show. If you want to buy us around for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And while you're at truecrimegarage.com, check out the merchandise page. A lot of people have been supporting the show by buying a t-shirt and looking pretty sexy doing it. If I do say so myself. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. On April 18, 2016, 45-year-old fitness instructor Missy Beavers was brutally murdered inside the Creekside Church located in Midlothian, Texas, in the early hours of the morning. At the time she was getting preparations ready for her fitness class, this is called Camp Gladiator, before her students arrived at 5 a.m. in the morning, that's when the students discovered her lifeless body. Her death was caused by puncture wounds to the head and chest. As we said yesterday, we, we went over the video uh, that, that police had released, the surveillance footage of the suspect dressed in tactical gear. Um, this is where things became interesting because whomever this suspect is, mm -hmm. uh, they had a very unorthodox and unnatural posture and stance, especially when walking. Right. Which is called the gate on April 20th. Missy's husband, this is Brandon Beavers gave a statement to reporters in which he talks about how proud he was of Missy and he really stresses to people that they should watch the surveillance video because of this gate that you discussed that 
somebody could know this person just by the way that they walk. Yeah, and obviously at the initial investigation, you know, Brandon's going to be a suspect himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, his wife is murdered. Um, there was talks about possibly infidelity in their marriage, possibly coming from him, possibly coming from her. And so jealousy, there's your motive. So Brandon is a likely suspect. What's interesting here in this case, though, is one, Brandon has an alibi, and two, and it's pretty tight alibi. Mm-hmm. You do some research into it. He was out of town on some trip, and so there's the hotel uh, receipts, there's eyewitnesses there, and then there's the car rental receipts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also the surveillance footage, and Brandon's clearly probably above six foot, I'd say maybe six one. And this uh, suspect that's on their surveillance tape is maybe 5'2 to 5'7. Yeah. Um, it was through search warrants that the police came across. Uh, it would either be text or some form of messages that were found uh, on Missy's information where they, they learned that she had some kind of flirtatious relationship with another male or possible other males. Mm-hmm. Um, after that was discovered, uh, police had what what one would call a break in the case because now you have this potential motive. Like you had said, um, I don't know that Brandon has spoke publicly about exactly what was going on in their relationship. Um, but it sounds like he's been very forthcoming with police. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, like you said, it sounds like there was some kind of relationship outside of the marriage. Now, whether that was 10 years ago or if it was current, we don't know. Well, they have her information from Facebook. So you have Facebook Messenger, which is pretty much like text. So there's probably some information there that they found on her phone. But the other thing that that comes out later is there was some LinkedIn uh, communication back and forth, Mm -hmm. which was then turned over by the police. And the police claimed that there was some flirtatious um, conversations going back and forth with another male individual, which they checked out. And I think one of the reasons why Brandon hasn't been talking about this publicly, but has been talking to law enforcement about it is because his kids are of the, of the age that they could watch these interviews. Mm-hmm. And look, he, he said, look, we all have problems with our marriage and we're trying to work through it. Right. So that's where they're at. And I think he doesn't, especially in the death of their mother, he doesn't want to put a dark light or any bad twist Uh, on their viewpoint of their mother. Missy's husband, Brandon Beavers, he gave a statement to reporters. This was just two days after her murder. And the original is quite lengthy, but we're going to trim it down so we can listen into that statement. What are you going through right now? Today, right now? Well, I I don't want to do interviews, okay? I just want to make a statement. Is that all right? Tell us us what you want to say. Okay. Yeah, I don't... I I said, hang on, I'm having a problem with the camera. Yeah, let him get ready. And, y- and y'all can y'all can funnel this up to the other right. media yes, outlets, yes, okay? Yes, sir. And I and I can be done with this, yes, right? Sir. Okay. We appreciate you coming out. We know it's got to be terribly difficult, and we're really just hoping you'll speak from your heart about your wife. And may we all just say we are sorry. We are sorry for your family's loss. I appreciate it. I, I haven't uh, I haven't had a whole lot of time to, you know. Uh, I haven't had a lot of time to be get emotional about this yet. I've been dealing with the uh, immediate needs of my children. Uh, I mean, this morning I've had some. Uh, <clears throat> this morning I finally started thinking about the events that occurred yesterday morning, and uh, so you know I'm starting with that process today. Now the 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 main the main purpose here today is. Uh, solely to communicate to the people in the community and to uh, everybody watching and listening. Uh, My wife was a, uh, she was a godly woman and she was a very, uh, uh, she was very passionate about changing people's lives uh, with fitness and uh, changing their mental attitude towards their body and themselves and their abilities in life and uh, uh, you know personally I I haven't involved myself in a lot of what she does but now that I'm seeing some of her campers 
I've noticed a substantial impact that she's had on so many people's lives and I'm very proud of her and uh, I just want it to be publicly known that uh, we are very proud of, of all of the passion and effort that she's put into so many people's lives as far as the uh the perpetrator we don't i don't know we still don't know who he is but i ask everybody out there to review the video i think you can get the video on the midlothian police department's facebook website uh look at the video uh the person has a very distinct walk uh there's a, just a very distinct uh, mannerism about this person that should be a very apparent to somebody okay I don't believe there was a vehicle there this perpetrator I don't know if he walked into the facility or if he got I don't know we don't know how he arrived at the facility but I'm just hoping that somebody either saw something or somebody can recognize the mannerisms of this person on the video uh, it's, it's very important to us to get some closure with that. And, um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I want to uh, definitely publicize uh, that my wife was a, uh, she was a great woman, a great uh, a wife, a great mother, a great friend. She, she will be missed by many people but please, uh, please be diligent as you can and, and, and review the video and report anything to the Midlothian Police Department. And I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. I guess this is your last time. You're not going to speak again after this. Is that correct? This is what you... I, I really don't. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to, uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of obtaining a story, to pull at heartstrings and stuff like that. I don't, I'm not looking here for the media to sensationalize uh, a tragedy, okay? We, my family needs, uh, we need our privacy, and that's why I wanted to do this in one time only. But we need our privacy. I haven't had a lot of sleep. Um, I haven't had a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with my children. I just have some issues that I need to deal with on a personal level uh, with my children. I want to reach out to the Camp Gladiator, uh, the campers that she mentored, and I want to talk to those folks uh, and, and express, uh, you know, my appreciation for their admiration of my wife, okay? You do understand, sir, that we are here because we want to help the police catch whoever did this yes, as well. Yes, yes. The, uh, but as far as any, you know, one-on-one -on -one interview, tug at the heart strings, you know, kind of stories, sensationalized. I, I, I just, I'm not here for that. Well, I don't know? think any of us are trying to sensational i mean this was a your wife was a mother and a woman who touched so many lives through her work and, correct and, you are correct and that's why i mean we want to share her story and you know that better than correct anyone. correct uh well, can you, i mean just you knew her better than anyone i mean the kind of woman she was the kind of mother she was well uh i mean she she was a very good mother she spent i'll, I'll go a little further here uh when missy uh, before we had children missy was a a a teacher public school teacher she worked with special needs children and she did that for about two years I could see uh, I could see the amount of outpouring in her soul to help needy people okay and especially at that time it was special needs children and then we had children uh, we she stayed at home raised our children and uh, when she got back into the workforce or when time allowed her to uh, do things for herself she found Camp Gladiator and through raising our three children you know she transformed into a different physically person a, a mother she decided to become physically fit and for a 40 some odd year old mother of three she was uh, very fit 
and uh, transformed on an unimaginable level. She was a, her body pretty well sold her abilities in transforming and helping other people. And, uh, but she was very passionate about uh, helping these people. And I would, uh, I would catch some of her camper's remarks on her Facebook page about how excited they were of the results that they've seen through her efforts. And, uh, and uh, I'm proud of her. We're very proud of her. She uh, meant a lot of things to a lot of people. What did she mean though to you as her husband? Well, she was, uh, uh, she was a companion. Uh, we enjoyed fishing. Uh, we, def we, we enjoyed going to the beach. We spent a lot of time at the ocean. Um, we, we've been together for 20 years and, uh, over the 20 years, you know, our relationship evolved from this to that, to this, to that. And, and we've managed to keep it, you know, held together all this time. Um, but at this particular venture in our lives, it opened up an opportunity for her to do something that was gratifying to herself rather than raising a family constantly driving kids around and uh and she's just like i said she the camp gladiator opportunity came up and uh, she was so well loved Can, are you racking your brain to say who would want to hurt such a beautiful person yes i mean it's uh, uh you know this world is full of evil people um I don't, I don't know, without going into any details that I've spoke with with law enforcement, uh, I mean, yeah, we're talking about a, a senseless act here, okay? Um, Did you look at the video to see if you saw anybody, recognized anything about it? The, the same video that I watched, I watched on a continuous loop. It's the same video that you guys have already had access to click anything for you it uh, uh, nothing clicks uh, I can't tell if the person is a man or a woman uh, the police estimate that he's about six foot tall or this person's six foot tall uh, but if you look at the mannerisms of the person how they walk I mean there's something very distinctive there that somebody somebody has to be able to point this out. It seems there, to there baffle to the police department like it baffles us as reporters and it baffles the investigation why someone would break into church wearing that, wearing a, a tactical police paraphernalia. Does that baffle you too as it, someone wants this, wants justice? I don't, I don't think, I don't know. There, there's the, there are some uh, things that the police are looking into with respect to the timing of it and the, and the timing, the arrival of uh, my wife, uh, the, um, the person wasn't in tactical gear. That wasn't tactical gear. That was uh, a shoddy uh, amount of clothing to look like some type of a, an enforcement officer. Uh, it wasn't tactical, real tactical clothing. What did it look like to you? Uh, well, I mean, from the video, the best as best I could tell, it looked like uh, maybe uh, motorcycle boots or uh, some type of uh, military-style boot. I couldn't tell the pants. It looked like uh, uh, some kind of flimsy, like uh, sweatpants or something. I, c I couldn't really tell. But the jacket was just a generic police jacket, uh, uh, kind of a velour-looking police jacket. And I couldn't even identify the helmet. Mm -hmm. The person was wearing a helmet, and I couldn't identify whether it was a motorcycle helmet. I don't know if there is a, I don't know if there is a motorcycle avenue on that outfit, or if it was a mm -hmm. tactical avenue because mm -hmm. the helmet, I, I couldn't even tell what it was. Do you think someone wanted to hurt Missy in particular, or this was? I do not know the answer to that. She posted on her Facebook that she was going to be there. Is that something that police have also looked into perhaps that they talked to you about? Well, her, the, the date, time, and location of her camps are publicized. They're known. Uh, those, are, those times and schedules are already predetermined. It definitely sets up an opportunity for the unknown to happen, particularly since she arrives there 
early before anybody else does but if you look at the video and I don't know how much of the video the police has released but if you look at the video and from what I understand the perpetrator came through the back door okay and spent several minutes rummaging from room to room uh, if I'm not mistaken he might have broke some glass in this room looking for something broke some glass in this room looking for something spent some time in the kitchen area uh, but by the time my wife arrived I don't know of any the video at that point but according to the police shortly after um, uh, shortly after the altercation Needless to say, it's the opinion of the police department that uh, the perpetrator didn't know the presence of my wife or, or that she was going to be there, I think. My wife walked in on a uh, robbery, That's and that's just an opinion. That's not fact. Um, so you don't uh, think she was targeted or admit that she was particularly... And uh, in, in, in it's in strictly my opinion... I don't think she was targeted. Uh, and, and to the best of my knowledge, when my wife arrived, there was no other vehicle in the parking lot. And uh, otherwise, it would have obviously uh, drawn, you know, my wife would have seen that. Uh, so as far as I know, and you have to confirm that with the police, there was no other vehicles on the property. But according to the timeline, the person came into the building and left the crime scene before the other campers showed up. So it w was there another vehicle or did they have uh, cameras outside that could confirm that? I don't know. When was the last time you spoke with her and did, were you guys in the habit of maybe texting? Yes. She'd go to these locations, you know, where it would be dark and quiet. As far as communicating prior to her camps, right. no, I mean, she got there pretty early. Okay, and so you hadn't heard from her that morning? No. When would, did you guys speak the night before? Yes. And did you, what yes. did you say to her? Uh, Every day for the last uh, every day for the last ten months, uh, she has made it a point to text me at work that she loves me and have a good day, honey. Uh, uh, when I finally arrived in Biloxi uh, around 7:30, which was later than I was supposed to be there, you know, I spoke to her and she said good night and it was still about eight o'clock and I, I called her anyway probably around nine or nine thirty to tell her I love her and she was already half asleep and that's the last time I spoke to her that was on the phone that was on the phone well we trimmed it down but it was still somewhat lengthy yeah uh some highlights from that that I want to touch upon here captain is he, he's talking about the investigation a little bit and that's where we hear him say that I don't know if he misspeaks or if he's just kind of telling us that they don't believe police don't believe for whatever reason that there was another car parked in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. um, I find that very interesting. Um, at one point he says, I've seen, you know, the same video that you have seen. And then at another point he says, I don't know how much of the footage the police have released. And that makes me wonder if there is more footage out there. There's uh, definitely more footage out there. Right. And um, I'm curious to see what I would love to know what's on that footage. It may just be more of the same mm -hmm. um, of walking around the halls and busting up uh, doors and windows. Well, I believe the actual attack is on on camera as well. That could be the situation. Um, but it sounds like they interviewed him extensively. The police did. And they showed him the video. Uh during this time, this is now, mind you, this is just two days after her murder. Mm -hmm. um, he says that they believe the killer to be six foot tall. We now know that to not be the case. Um, and he constantly, you know, there's much debate as to whether this is a man or a woman. Um, mm -hmm. And I and he says he a lot during this statement. Well, he also states a couple of falsities, right? Mm -hmm. The first one being that the police said, well, we think the suspect is six foot. Well, once again, that's before they did any, you know, checking on that, mm -hmm. any scientific, you know, measuring of the tape and measuring of the different heights or whatever. Now they're saying, well, now it's five two five seven. Mm -hmm. So therefore, immediately then you start going, well, 
what male is within that range. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of misspoke there. And then the other one was that they initially believed that, oh yeah, that, that this was just a burglary gone bad. Mm-hmm. And he, now again, two days after, uh, within a week after watching the tapes again, he starts believing that, no, he, it makes more sense that she was targeted. Yeah. Yeah. He has said since this statement, uh, that he, he has told police, he strongly believes that the murderer is a female and someone that knew Missy in some form of her personal on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, furthermore, he suggests that this unidentified person attempted to make this tragedy look like a burglary gone wrong. Right. Which makes a lot of sense. Cause there's evidence of that. This person just opening up doors and breaking glass and not taking anything. Right. And there's no, you know, we know that there was some trouble with the marriage. Like I said, he says in this interview that he's been, they've been together for about 20 years or over 20 years. Um, now here's one thing that I would throw into question. We don't know the timeline of the problems with the marriage, obviously. But if I think that if there was an affair on either end, um, if it were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it's less likely to be, to have anything to do with her murder. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't know how recent they had marital problems. Well, I mean, there's, there's something going on if she's, uh, inappropriately exchanging texts with male individuals. But he says, he says, you know, when asked, did you speak to your wife or how often, you know, did you often trade text or anything like that? He says something that's a little telling to me. He says, Every day for the past 10 months, my wife has texted me while I'm at work mm-hmm. and wishes me a good day and tells me that he, that she loves me. It seems to me like something has happened more recent in their marriage. I, I, do you get that feeling? Doesn't that sound almost like a, you, a, make, uh, just, a, a make good situation? Like I got to make up for this. I got caught doing something or I've done something wrong in the marriage. And now or I got to, yeah, I got to make good. Or is this a demand? You know, sometimes when people are wronged, they say, you know, you better tell me that you love me. You better. Yeah, right. Right. But what I just said was who cares about 10 months ago? I'm talking about the day of mm-hmm. an appropriate text messages found on, you know, in her phone. Uh, found it on social media, found on other uh, social connecting sites like LinkedIn. Right. No, so, I, I agree with that. And I, and I, I know of that. I'm just saying that it, this appears to me that something occurred in the marriage roughly around that 10 month ago part. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that, that is a little interesting to me. Let's get back to this. More suspects, more evidence right after this quick beer break. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code TrueCrimeGarage50 at Factormeals.com slash TrueCrimeGarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Now, one thing you had told me, Captain, regarding the husband, Brandon, you cannot fake height, and he does not appear to be the height of 5'2 to 5'7. Like you said, I, I'm thinking, I look at him, I see like 5'11 to 6'1. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have an alibi, as you said, he was out of town. He was out of the state. I guess this was an annual fishing trip that he that he took. Um, they were able to confirm his alibi. Uh, so he doesn't seem to be a suspect in the sense that it was not him in the building. Right. Um, and yes, doesn't exclude him from hiring somebody. Right. And yes, they were having marital problems, but that also doesn't mean that, um, you hire somebody to kill your wife. Um, it's a possibility, but, but even though that this stuff is going on, 
regardless, she's still the mother of your three children. Right. So I think the next theory that the police started thinking about was if there was marital problems, would there be somebody else in the family that, you know, maybe he could hire mm-hmm. or would help him out with this. Mm-hmm. And people started focusing in on Brandon's father. This would be Missy's father-in-law. Yeah. Randy Beaver. So yeah, I like this captain. Let's, let's pull the circle out a little bit further here. So a few days after the murder happened, Missy's father-in-law, Randy Beavers, he went to the dry cleaners and he brought a woman's wait, hold on. I just want to say, this is why, you know, the true, you know, just real life is what do they say? Stranger than fiction. Right, right. Because you can't make this shit up. When I was reading this, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. He he took, I guess, four articles of clothing to the dry cleaners, and he got there in the early morning hours. One of those items was a women's XXL long sleeve shirt. Uh this mm-hmm. was a white shirt. I've heard it reported that it was quote unquote, covered in blood. I've also heard it reported that it had blood spots on it or spots that appeared to be blood on it. Mm -hmm. So whether it was covered or spotted, who knows? But um, one of the employees got a little weirded out by the items that he dropped off. So they contacted the police. The police get a search warrant to collect these items. Well, and also, again, it's such a small town. Everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. When the employee called the police, they're like, uh, this guy brought in a blood covered shirt. Uh, his name's Randy Beavers. And by the way, he's the father-in-law of, of Missy Beavers. Right. Um, so they collect these items. Um, now Randy was pretty forthcoming about the shirt. Uh, he told, he told the employees at the dry cleaner, as well as later the police that the blood was from a Chihuahua. Um, I guess he and his wife, Vicky have, a little dog. Uh, the dog was injured in some kind of dog fight. Mm-hmm. Um, they may have been watching another dog or for some reason there was another dog at their house. Uh, the dog was injured. I guess the dog unfortunately passed away uh, because of this. They took the dog to the vet. Um, the vet later confirmed this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing here is um, they they were testing the shirt for DNA. Um, and I think that this whole shirt thing checks out. It's just one of these strange, weird coincidences that happens in these cases, but it's gotten a lot of people talking. Yeah. Well, the, the thought you didn't finish is that when they tested it, it's animal DNA. It's Mm -hmm. not human DNA. Yes. Uh, but more interesting though, we have Randy, the father-in-law. It gets weirder folks. He, well, let me go ahead and throw this out for people Mm -hmm. who've not seen him. He's roughly the same height as the, he looked, he's shorter than his son, mm-hmm. which would might put him in, at that five, six, five, seven. I can't say with 100% certainty, but he's definitely shorter well, maybe than his taller. But again, maybe, maybe the, the five, two to five, seven is off a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. he's five, nine, but yeah, he's, he has a weird stance. Yes. Because there was a particular broadcast that came out and in this broadcast, the father-in-law was interviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing, and I watched this interview, the first thing I noticed was his demeanor, uh, is strange to me now that does, I didn't find him that strange. Really? I, he seemed to me like he was either nervous or a little confrontational well, with the, with the, with the people interviewing him with the reporters. Yeah, well, your daughter-in-law was murdered, and you have to go to the drive cleaners with bloody clothes. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, yeah, it checks out. It's it's animal DNA, not human DNA. But you, you know where this is going to head. You know, you know what's going to happen with the media, and the media has ruined people's lives. That's true. That's true. Um, so maybe he's just a weird dude, though. Too maybe he's uncomfortable in front of uh, cameras. I don't, uncomfortable I, I in front of reporters. Well, yeah, most people would be. I, I look. I'm going on record and saying I thought his behavior was strange. Um, but what what also occurred during well, that broadcast strange. is after he's done speaking with reporters, he walks into a building. Now, right. this might be the police department. It looks like some kind of government type building. Uh-huh. He walks into this building and he's got a strange walk, um, strange gait. Yep. Yes, and it's some people have said it's identical to how the person was walking in the video. Other people say that it's similar. Well, I see, will say it's similar. I'm not going to say it's identical. I actually think it's a little different. To me, it's not so much him walking back into the police station. It's him walking out. 
and his toes are pointed out a little bit. His toes are pointed out, walks a little bit like a duck. But the other thing about it, too, is his right foot seems a little, you know, like there's something Delayed. wrong with it. Yep. And it also seems like uh, when he has to shift his weight that he has to almost catch his balance, like he has to regroup his balance. And you see that time and time again in the surveillance footage. So, again, I'll have the original surveillance footage up on the website. I'll actually put the comparison of the two on the website as well. So you can check that out. So the with the father-in-law, he what is his story? Well, apparently he was out of the state of Texas as well um, at surprise, the same time. Surprise, Yeah, he was. I guess he was in California with his wife and the dog that ended up getting killed in that dog fight. Um, so he was in California. They say his alibi checks out. Um, actually, in a press conference, the Midlothian assistant chief this is Kevin Johnson told reporters that despite social media rumors, no one in Missy's family, friends, or coworkers are considered suspects. Right. Uh, he said that Missy's husband and father-in-law uh, specifically had been very forthcoming and cooperative in the investigation. Both men supplied alibis that had been verified by police. Johnson also said that any names that had been released in any search warrants were also not considered suspects at the time of this press conference. Well, and what's interesting here is the police made these statements saying, Hey, we don't think that we're, we're, we're basically clearing the family. Mm -hmm. And then Brandon comes out and says, this is Missy's husband comes out and says, look, you can clear people all you want, but we shouldn't be cleared. Everybody should still be a suspect until you have somebody that you have evidence on. Everybody's still a suspect. And I like that thinking. Mm hmm. And so, uh, yeah, this does this alibi check out? Yeah, but look, look, the gate is weird. That's that, that that's the thing that bothers me is when you watch the video side by side, you start just you just get the same vibe. But again, like we talked about when we're dissecting the video, there's some moments in the film where the guy looks a little chubby. Yeah. Looks like maybe he has a little bit of a beer belly. Mm -hmm. But then there's other moments in the footage where it's like, I don't think that's a beer belly. Right. So, um, and I don't, I don't want to throw this guy under the bus because again, you know, watch the video, compare it for yourself. But what I find very interesting and, and a lot of friends that I know that have watched this video is like, it's him. It's gotta be him. Mm -hmm. Well, again, the, the alibis check out and also I want to applaud him for being so forthcoming. And so, uh, you know, he's been exactly like his son as far as questions go. The other thing that Brandon's doing that I, I think is amazing is he'll just be sitting around because this has shaken up his whole world, right? Mm -hmm. And he'll just be sitting around thinking about something or maybe a person or some weird time that maybe didn't make sense to him. And he calls the police up yeah, and says, hey, uh, this might not be nothing. Uh, and what he made statements later saying, uh, pretty much every time I call the police and I think of something, they've already went down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. So, but I want to applaud him for that. The other thing too, uh, some people have said Brandon is suspicious because he says, well, I'm not going to do any interviews. And you pointed out a good reason why he wouldn't do that. That's probably for the sake of his children. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, that doesn't mean that he's not fully cooperating. You, as you pointed out, he's fully cooperating with the police, but he's anytime he's approached by reporters, he speaks to them. Um, and yeah, I've, at length, yes. And I've also heard other reporters state that, you know what? I reached out to this guy and he said, I don't, I won't do an interview, mm -hmm. but if you have any questions, email me, I'll send you the answers. Or if you, you know, you want to give me a phone call, I'll do a phone call. So he's not, he's not tucking his tail and hiding from anybody. Right. Um, he's, he's being upfront about everything. And unfortunately he's thrown into a situation that I don't think he had anything to do with or anybody that he knows probably didn't have anything to do with it. And now his whole life and his whole marriage has gone under the microscope. And he's had to deal with that while trying to grieve for his his murdered wife mm -hmm. and help his children through this very tough time. I do want to talk about what this police chief said, the assistant chief said, regarding that people named in search warrants we're also not considered suspects at the time of that press conference. Yeah, but that's just political, you know, politically correct bullshit to say. Well, it is. And, and just because no one's considered a suspect does not mean that they are cleared. Right. Um, there's a difference between the two. And a lot of times police don't name a suspect until they 
slap cuffs on the person. Right. Um, but the reason why I bring that up was because early in this investigation, there were several people, I believe it was seven or eight people that were listed by name in a search warrant because they were collecting their cell phone records. Um, and these are people pretty close to Missy. Some of them, uh, one of them was her husband, of course, and her father-in-law and his wife as well. Um, that leads us to the next thing. The next thing in this case, you know, we said there was more surveillance footage. Well, this was not from the church. This was from a place across the street. This is the SWFA sporting goods store, mm-hmm. um, which is, I would say roughly it's a, it's kind of diagonal from the, uh, from the church itself. You can see the church from their parking lot. Um, but the, on the night that she was murdered at approximately 2 AM, uh, police released a photograph of a vehicle. And this is thought to be a 2010 or 11 or 12 silver or light in color Nissan Altima. Um, this vehicle pulls into the parking lot of the sporting goods store. It's very strange because they released a photograph of it mm-hmm. originally. Now I'm not certain if the police released the full video or if it was the sporting goods store that released the full video. I'm not for sure who released it first. I've heard both, um, but originally they just released the picture of the back of the car in hopes that somebody could identify the car. More specifically, there was a, um, a decal or a sticker that was located below the drivers below the license plate. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of oval in shape. They were hoping that maybe somebody could point out where that came from, uh, what, what that sticker would be. Maybe somebody would recognize it later. The video comes out of the car pulling in to the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the car pulls in off of the highway or off of the street there into the sporting goods store. And the first thing that they do is they cut their lights. Yeah, suspicious. Yes. But it's also super late at night, too. I mean, well, it's technically early in the morning, but this is on a Sunday going into that Monday. So it's Monday at 2 a.m. It's like it's dark and raining. I would want my lights on. Well, what are you doing out? Right. Anyways. So there are some theories about who this could have been. Um, that uh, maybe it was a drunk driver that pulled over for a little bit. Maybe it was somebody that was pulling in off of the uh, street there to look at their their phone or a map. Uh, maybe they were lost. But cutting the lights seems very strange to me because they don't cut the lights like once they get to a parking spot. They cut the lights as soon as they turn into the sporting goods store. Mm-hmm. Then furthermore, they they drive around the store and eventually back out. But the problem here is, Captain, when they go to the back of the store, there are two vehicles parked back there. Mm-hmm. And when they see the other vehicles, they turn on their lights again. Almost like, oh, shit, there's somebody back here. I better turn on my lights so I don't look suspicious. Exactly, my friend. Now, police are saying that they don't believe that the vehicle <laughs> is belongs to the killer. Well, yeah, but these police, I mean, they keep on, they're just covering their own ass. Right. You're exactly. uh, We don't believe there's no reason to believe this person's a suspect. Like, yes, this person is in the vicinity of these murders within hours of the murders taking place. Uh, This person is a suspect Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's find out who this individual is and uh, let's waterboard him. Let me ask you this, captain. Um, So this driver has not come forward. Um, A lot of people have heard about this case. Well, why would you come forward if you're the murderer? Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, What about, what about this? Is Mm -hmm. there a chance that that the driver of that vehicle, which I firmly believe is connected to this murder. Uh um, It's just too much of a coincidence. In my opinion, could, could he or she, whoever drove that vehicle, did they bust out that window at the church building, drive off. You can see the church from this location. You go over there for a little bit and see if police are going to respond to the break-in to test to see if there was some kind of alarm. Yeah, which makes your theory make a lot more sense. Um, But again, I I believe this individual knew the building. Mm -hmm. If the person person went there to kill her, they knew about the building. Hmm. They knew about the not having alarm system. Possibly 
knowing that they didn't have surveillance either, like outside of outside Mm -hmm. and knowing that there's surveillance inside. Therefore I need to have my face covered. Right. I can see, I can see that. Um, it doesn't sway my opinion any, I, I don't know that I believe that the person had much knowledge of this building other than that. They knew that Missy would be there. Um, one thing that's strange too, and this was later in the interview. I don't, I don't think it was in the portion that we showed, uh, but we have, we have the father speaking or I'm sorry, her husband speaking. Right. And he says that she was involved in multiple camps. He calls them camps, these fitness camps. Right. Uh, there was one that one of the daughters did attend with Missy. This would not be one of those. She never went to this early 5 a.m. one. Of course, so, it's 5 a.m. So I also wonder, did the, would the killer have known this in advance that, uh, sh- that, she would be alone is what I'm saying. Right. But, and again, back to my point, if she knows this much about if she, I keep on, you know, Freudian slip, you know, I I think it's possibly a female. Okay. And, but I keep saying she, so, but I think this individual would know if she knew that much about Missy, she would know that much about that building. Okay. Let me throw, let's, let's get on that subject right now. You said you believe you see a woman in the surveillance footage. I mean, I see a booty at some point. So I mean, but you know, it could be a guy. Could- when, when I first saw it, the first few times I watched it, I did see a woman. And then there's that weird part when, when the suspect stands still and to the side, when you see the side of this person, I uh-huh. see a man. Right. Um, and I want to throw, I'm going to throw out some other theories that I've heard from people because I've showed this video to other people because I wanted to get their opinion. What maybe they could see something I'm not seeing, uh-huh. or can you at least see if it's a man or a woman? The strange thing is just about every man that I showed it to thinks it's a woman. And just about every woman that I show it to thinks it's a man. Well, that's the opposite. All my, all my female friends instantly. I didn't even say, I didn't even ask them if it was a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. They just watched it. And I think it was three for three within minutes or not within minutes, within seconds of them starting the video. They're like, that's a woman. The one we're also talking about if that evidence is factually correct, five, two to five, seven, it's more likely that it is a female. Right. And I, and I think the difficult thing about this case is if there was infidelity, then we'd assume that that's the motive, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, um, let's say Missy was hooking up with one of her clients and the client's wife got mad or the client's girlfriend got mad and then went after her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so frustrating is they have all this information. They have her Facebook, you know, they have the interactions with these individuals. So we have a bunch of evidence. This should be solved. And I think it's not that simple. I think it's some weird, um, type of motive that they haven't found the trail yet. I think you're exactly right. And I'll tell you why. I think that whoever did this is just enough outside of her circle that they, they can't link it. They can't connect it. I don't or no, or is so heavily in the circle, but they can't see the motive. Mm -hmm. And look, I'm just going to put this out there. I mean, I've done a lot of CrossFit classes and, and spin classes, but I haven't been like totally, and drenched into that world. Mm-hmm. But I have a lot of friends that uh, that are trainers and stuff. And I know that in every gym, there's some weird drama stuff that goes on. Yeah. And I would just assume that there was some of that. And it could be as simple as here's this, uh, you know, here's this mother of three that got in shape, you know, put the time, the effort in, and maybe this individual couldn't. Or didn't have the willpower to do so and was jealous of that. Maybe she got more attention. Maybe she was upset that, you know, she gets all this attention and she's married and, and, and maybe this person wasn't married and couldn't get attention that, that, uh, Missy was getting from guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there was some other motive going on. That's a possibility. My theory on this case is I don't give a shit about your thing. Well, you're going to hear. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um I just I, if I sound mad, we were talking about this on the beer break. Somebody uh messaged me the other day said, uh, "West Memphis 3, you sound mad." I'm like, "Yeah, that's cuz 
it's, there's always a murder. We're talking about there's no reason there's never a good reason to kill somebody. And we're constantly talking about people yeah. getting killed and on top of it, not knowing who's responsible. Right. Um, so it does get frustrating at times. My theory is there's a connection to the city of Austin in this case. And I think that, that it's just enough outside of her circle that they've had trouble connecting it. And maybe there were a lot of people in Austin when Missy was there. Let me give you a little story on this. So Missy was in the city of Austin for at least an overnight stay, possible two nights uh, in three days. I'm, I'm a little unclear as to which it was, mm-hmm. but she was there for at least one night. Um, then she returns to Midlothian. Then she's murdered. It's pretty quickly after she returns that she's murdered. I believe the very next morning. Who was, was she with? When she was killed. It was one of these fitness things. Um, I don't know if it was a camp that she was attending. It sounds to me like it was some kind of convention or some kind of fitness camp that she was attending, mm-hmm. not that she was teaching. Um, she went there by herself. I can't find any evidence. Did have eyewitnesses that she ever showed up? Because, I mean, look, if somebody's you know unfaithful in their relationships, they come up with a crazy amount of stories mm-hmm. so they can go places. You bring... For example, you know, y- you can't tell your husband, uh, hey, uh, well, I'm going to go. Well, it's a, well, wives wouldn't talk like that. Anyways, but you can't say, hey, I'm going to go to Austin to um, go out drinking. Right. And to get laid in a hotel. You can't tell your husband that. So you'd have to say, well, there's this fitness convention and I'm, I got to go good to that. You mm-hmm. know, I. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this was confirmed that she was actually there. I believe that she was there. Um, I the Every report that I found, it doesn't seem to be questionable if she was there. Um, I think that possibly she was there for more than one reason. I mm-hmm. think she was there to attend this thing, and either one of two things possibly happened. Either she met somebody there, and they had some kind of brief relationship coitus or she might've been going there and to break something off as well. Um, and if that's the case, that's why I just feel like there's some kind of Austin connection here. I think somebody could have drove in from, from out of town. They could have not known much about that building other than knew that she would be there that morning. I think they tested the building to see if it had an alarm they watched from someplace and then went back to the building to wait for her. I'm un I'm unclear. I'm still wondering about the 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 driver. You know about where this person put their car. Mm-hmm. I think that they probably parked somewhere and arrived on foot. Um, I I wouldn't think they would have parked too far away because they needed to get out of there quickly after. Well, this individual had a hard time walking. Anyways, mm-hmm. my other thought on here's my thought on the walk. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the walk is not real, if it's not a real thing. And maybe that's hindered this case somehow because everybody believes, well, the killer had to have had this funny walk. May- Look, I think, you know, again, like I said, five, two to five, seven, maybe it's some crazy bat that watched every dateline and every oxygen channel show and thought, you know what? Uh, this, uh, little blonde hussy is sleeping with my man and I'm going to show her and, and put on a size 10 boot. Mm-hmm. put on her husband's boots instead of, you know, her own. And that's, that's hard to walk in. Have you ever seen a little kid put on big shoes and start mm-hmm. walking? It's very unnatural. So I, I don't think that it's a, f- a fictitious walk in the, the way uh, that the suspect would be doing it on purpose. Right. But, but that's why I think it looks natural. Right. But because of the parts of it being uh choosing of a bigger boot or whatever, Oh, now I walk a little funny. It's, it, it's also possible that it could be the opposite. It could be tighter boots. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, trust me, I've had some times where I've went to weddings with tight shoes on. I mean, my dance moves didn't look so good. Mm-hmm. They didn't look so natural. Kind of looked like I had a bum leg. <laughs> uh, that was a scenario that you came up with in your mind. You were not calling the victim a hussy, right? No, I'm saying that the person that murdered him would have thought that. Right, and I wanted to point that out so nobody no, no, no. thinks I mean, that you're being insensitive. Look, I mean, first of all, I, I'm just angered by, you know, America in general as far as it goes with marriages, and, and that's a whole different show. But 
infidelity and cheating on people, I think it's an awful, horrible thing that people do to each other. And it's normally just to get some attention. And I think that's uh, pretty shallow. So as far as all the infidelity rumors, that makes me upset. But also I know for a fact that, uh, and, and from the statements uh, that her husband made, um, she was trying to do a good thing. She, she taught kids with disabilities. That's, that's somebody that's not worried about the money. They're trying to make a difference in the world. I mm-hmm. applaud that. And then on top of that, one of the things that people, you know, depression and all this stuff, one of the ways to fight that is to get active, lose some weight. And, and, and it, there's so many more mental benefits of exercising than maybe even physical ones. So I really applaud her on that. So as much as I don't like the infidelity stuff, it seems like she was somebody that was trying to make a difference in other people's lives. And how can you not respect that? And, well, and nobody's perfect either. So um, we, you know, speak for yourself. <laughs> so, I, but here I want to expand on something here, Captain. Regarding this walk, I wonder if it's if it's hindering this investigation because yeah. that I wonder if this person doesn't truly have this weird walk. And like you said, it looks natural because it was natural in that moment at in those maybe boots that are too big. There's actually a, um, one of her family members put some letters to the killer on their Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in one of the lines, this family member says, are you, are you shaking in your boots that are too big for you? Um, you know, so I wonder if that's something that on the inside, the people close to the case have always felt, or maybe they No. Yes. They they might know. The other thing is, remember, I kept saying that I believe this person had some kind of utility belt or that we see the person put the pry bar in on a belt or in Mm. their pocket. If I'm walking in boots that are too big for me or even the right size, if I got a pry bar in my pocket, that's going to affect my walk a little bit as well. Who knows what other sharp or heavy objects this person has in those pant pockets? Yeah, I mean, that's... This is just frustrating in general. I do want to throw out something weird here because I, I don't want to get accused of missing anything. Because it just be well, it wouldn't be you if you didn't <laughs> say something weird. And and you had mentioned uh, some activity on LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. There was um, this came from a friend of Missy's. She told police that less than three days before her murder, Missy had received a creepy. LinkedIn message from a man that was unknown to the both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know what they can do with this information. Um, well, well, yeah, there was the creepy message, but there was also a message. Uh, there was flirtation that was going back and forth between a, another individual. Mm-hmm. Now they have since questioned that individual, but I don't know if there is any um, more evidence or any more knowledge of who this cre- you know, quote unquote, creepy individual was no i don't i think that's still unknown as is the driver of that vehicle that was seen on surveillance camera well it's really hard to see in that surveillance footage of the car was there only one person or two people Mm -hmm. you can't see in in the vehicle i can't um i know i've heard people uh you know staring at and watching that video over and over again to see if they can see anything uh, so, I, sometimes I that just plays tricks on your mind. I'm a little guilty of that. I, I did that myself. Um, but I think, I think that car is definitely connected to this case somehow. Well, this is again, like I said, very similar to the Brandon Lawson case. And the fact that once you start hearing the Brandon Lawson tape, nine one one call, you think that you can solve it. Mm-hmm. And when you start seeing this uh, surveillance footage, you start thinking maybe there's something that I can pick apart yeah maybe i can see something that nobody else saw and this Um, is this is a frustrating case and uh hopefully we get some more answers and we're able to update this later mm -hmm. yeah i liken this case to the delphi murders case where there's there's just enough video footage there's just enough imagery that you sit here and you wonder why this is not solved and it, it it angers you even more to know that there's this evidence out there and it's not currently led anywhere well and i would i would assume that releasing some of this footage has led to some um rabbit holes and stuff like that and you know i think law enforcement needs to sometimes go hey we there's been nothing happening for a year we need to release more stuff maybe we can get a bite somewhere else yeah release some type of information so we we have a better clue of to what 
actually took place. And I also hope that they're vetting everybody from that Austin visit that she was involved in. Yeah, I haven't heard much about that, and that's something now I'll have to dive into. Uh, I think this is going to be a case that stays on my radar for quite a long time. While you're checking out the video at truecrimegarage.com, make sure you check out our recommended reading page. Um, This week we are recommending Perfect Victim, the true story of The Girl in the Box by Christine McGuire and Carla Norton. This is the true story of a 20-year-old woman who decided to hitchhike to California and she is abducted by a couple and made to be their slave. For seven long years, she was held captive in their home, and for much of that time, she was in a coffin-like box underneath the couple's bed. So check out Perfect Victim. Check out all of the recommended books on our recommended page. And if you pick them up through our Amazon banner, it gives us a little kickback, and it costs you nothing extra. And if you love True Crime Garage, make sure you subscribe to the show. Make sure you tell a friend. Until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Free cunch. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.